Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with What Do You Get for Your Labor? as we pick up in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 19. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Everything that I've built, everything that I've amassed, everything that I've done, I'm going to die and going to have to leave it to some nut. And I don't know if the guy's going to be wise or foolish. He may just go out and, and look at the history. Rehoboam, his son, left the throne and all to Rehoboam. What did he do? He no sooner gets on the throne than he angers the tribes of the north and they have a revolution and, and he loses the kingdom and starts downhill. The whole glory that Solomon had built up, his son, dumb, foolish actions, blew it. And so Solomon's worries were not really unfounded. His son was a fool. Yet he's going to have rule over all of my labor wherein I have labored and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. So it was emptiness. Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all of the labor which I took under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity, yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. You do all of the work, you do all of the effort, you do all of the sacrifice, you do all of the strain, you do all of the saving, you do all of the wise, prudent planning and everything else, and you die. And if you can really amass a great fortune, a million dollars or so, the government will come in and get 70%. And you know how foolishly they're going to spend it. (laughs) This also is vanity and a great evil. For what hath man of all of his labor and of the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun? What do you get for it? For all of his days are sorrows and his travail grief. Yea, his heart takes no rest in the night, and this also is vanity. There is nothing better. Now, this is the conclusion. Earthly wisdom. I've done it all. It's empty. So there's nothing better for a man than he should eat and drink, that he should make his soul to enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. For who can eat? And who else can hasten here unto more than I? For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight, wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he gives travail, to gather and to heap up, that he may give unto him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Now, we get into the weary monotony of life. This has been used poetically as, as, as something that is very beautiful. A time to love, da, 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 you know, and, and it's been made very beautiful. But in the Hebrew idea, it was monotony. Life is just monotony. There is a time and a season, a time and a purpose under heaven to everything. There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast. And that's the idea of the Hebrew. It's just a monotony. 
Life seems to be ordered in these things, just the time and time and time and time. And, and he, it, the Hebrew idea is that of the monotony of life. It isn't, oh, the glorious time to love and the time to plant and the time, you know, as we make it very romantic today. Uh, it was really being expressed in a very life gets so tedious, don't it? Therefore, he concludes, what profit hath he that works in that wherein he has labored? What profit you get out of your labor? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart. Now, the word translated world there in the Hebrew is eternity or the ages. God has actually set the ages in every man's heart. There is a consciousness within every man of the eternal. Now, some men seek to sublimate that consciousness. Some men seek to deny that consciousness. They seek to deny God. But there is within every man, God has placed it in the heart, eternal, the eternity in the heart of every man that is seeking out after that which is more than just a part of this monotonous routine of life. I'm grasping and reaching for that which is eternal. God has placed the awareness of the eternal in the heart of every man. And that's that deep spiritual drive that every man has that can only be filled by coming to Jesus Christ and drinking of the water that he gives so that no man can find out the work that God makes from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labor, it is the gift of God. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. For God does it that men should reverence him. Now, I know this about God. My works are going to pass away. My works are going to be forgotten. But whatever God does, that's forever. And you can't add to the work of God. You can't take away. Now, I, I love this because I think of the work of God in my life of imputing the righteousness to me through my faith in Jesus Christ. I can't add to it. I can't get a set of rules and start doing all these nice little things and be more righteous. Nor can you take away from that righteousness that I have, that perfect standing that I have before God in Jesus Christ. You can't add to it. You can't take from it. The work of God is complete. The work of God is eternal. And God has worked in me his righteousness by my faith in Jesus Christ. Now, one of the problems that we often have is our endeavor to add to God's work. If I could only, you know, read uh, 10 chapters of the Bible every day, then I could be more righteous. If I'd only pray for four hours a day, then I'd be more righteous. No, no, you can't add. You are righteous, the righteousness of Christ, which is through faith. You are righteous in God's sight. Oh, I got so angry today and screamed at the kids. I'm so 
unrighteous. No, <laughs> you can't take away from that righteousness that is yours in Christ Jesus. You can't diminish. God accounts you righteous in his sight, the work of God in imputing righteousness to me. So I don't need to go around hanging my head, oh, I'm so miserable today, and I'm such a sinner, and I'm so horrible, and I'm so this and that. God is accounting me righteous because I am trusting and believing in his work in Jesus Christ. And I can't go around and say, well, I'm so righteous, so much more righteous than you, you sinner, you know. I saw what you did, you know, and I wouldn't think of doing that. And, and, and I can't go around in a self-righteous mold, you know, because I, you know, have had these spiritual gifts or I have done this or that. It doesn't make me any more righteous. You can't add to the work of God. It's, it's complete. It's full. And I'm so glad. That which, well, now, verse 15 is an interesting verse because it is sort of a definition of eternity. And uh, if you have had trouble understanding eternity before, you'll really have trouble now. <laughs> you see, we live in a time continuum on this planet Earth because the planet rotates on its axis about once every 24 hours. We call it a day. We measure the time in hours. Because the earth is in an orbit around the sun every 365 days and nine hours and 56 minutes and four one-hundredths of a second, we call that a year. We live in this, on this earth, and thus we are spinning around in our days and orbiting around in our years in the time continuum. Now, if you get outside of the earth and you begin to accelerate your speed, time no longer is moving in this, but it begins to stretch out into a plane according to the speed, to where if you can accelerate to the speed of light, time stands still. Now, if we could hop on a ray of light, turning into the energy, get out in this long plane, you could take off on a ray of light in, what, one and a quarter seconds, tip your hat to the man on the moon, seven and a half minutes, race past the sun, 14 minutes, button up your coat as you go past Pluto, so cold. 14 hours, rather, Pluto. 100,000 years, you could leave the Milky Way galaxy. 1,500,000 years, you could arrive at Andromeda. Make a U-turn, <laughs> head back to the Earth. And in three million years, you could return to the Earth on that ray of light, and you would be about a day older but the earth would have gone through three million orbits around the sun, which those who were living upon the earth would have counted as years. So you'd go to look for the house that you used to live in <laughs> and the cities and the people. And what's going to be in three million years, you see? But you've escaped the time zone. 
You're into the eternal, where there is no time. As you get into the eternal, it is the now zone. God said, I am. That is expressing his eternal nature. You're no longer within, you're no longer bounded by time, beginning and end. You're now in the eternal, now. So, when you can escape the time zone, that which has been is now. And that which is to be has already been. That's weird. God is outside of our time dimension. God is in the eternal dimension. So with God, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. In other words, there is no time. You're in the eternal now. So that any event that will ever take place is taking place. Any event that has ever taken place is taking place. That which has been is now, that which shall be has already been, and God requires that which is past. You can't escape it. You say, well, I don't understand that. Well, join the crowd. <laughs> you see, not only are we living in this time continuum, but we're also living in this finite existence, and it is impossible that the finite can understand the infinite. Time deals with the finite aspects. Eternal deals with the infinite. And you can't cross the gulf. It's too great. You can only make childish illustrations, but you can't cross the gulf from the finite to the infinite. Moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment that wickedness was there and the place of righteousness that iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. And I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men, that God might manifest them and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. Now, this is life under the sun, that man might see himself that he's an animal. But this is not true. Man is more than an animal. Man is made in the image and likeness of God. He's looking at man from the purely humanistic standpoint. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth the beast. Even one thing befalls them. As one dies, so dies the other. Not true. Yea, they all have one breath. The word breath in Hebrew is ruach, which is also translated spirit. And there are some that say that man and animals have one spirit so that a man has no preeminence above the beast for all his vanity. That is not true. That is looking at man from a humanistic standpoint, man under the sun. That is not looking at man as God looks at man as a divine creation with eternity in his heart. The animal, of what animal can you say God has put eternity in his heart? All go to one place, false. All are of the dust, our bodies, yes. And all turn to the dust again, our bodies, yes. But who knows 
if the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes downward to the earth? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ knows and he declares it to be true. Wherefore, I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion, for who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? Who knows what's going to happen after him? So just live for now. Rejoice in your works now. This is the purely human view of life. And God has recorded it in his word, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that you might see the view of life from the human standpoint that it is empty and frustrating because you don't see man any more than just an animal. And that's why the world around you is so filled with frustration and emptiness today because it, is, because it views man as an animal. So I returned and I considered all of the oppressions that are done under the sun and the tears of those that are oppressed. And they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors, there was power. But they had no comforter. The philosophy, might is right. Wherefore, I praise the dead which are already dead more than the living, which were yet alive. I looked at life, and man, you're better off dead than you are alive. Those that have already died, oh, they've got it made. You that's still alive, you've got the headaches. Yea, better is he both they which have not been, who hath not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. Again, I considered all of the travail and every right work, and for this man is envied of his neighbor. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. The fool folds his hands together and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful with quietness than both of your hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. There is a scripture that says a little that a righteous man has is more than the riches of many wicked. You know, you're better off with just a little and, and, and the Lord, the comfort, than having both hands full and being frustrated. Then I returned and I saw the vanity or the emptiness under the sun. There is one alone and there is not a second. Yea, he hath neither child nor brother, yet there is no end of his labor. Even the man who doesn't have any children he can't settle down and just enjoy what he has. He's got to keep on it. He's keep laboring. No matter how rich he is, he can't be satisfied. He can't relax and enjoy it. Here's one man alone. He has no child, no brother, no, no one to inherit his wealth. And yet he can't get away from the grindstone. There's no end of all of his labor. Neither is his eye satisfied with his riches. Neither says he, he doesn't consider, what am I saving all this money for? Who am I saving it for? Why am I saving it? Who am I going to leave it to? When I die? And yet he's bound to it. He's, he's, he's digging for more and more and more. Striving, struggling, can't stop working, pushing, grinding in order to gain more, and yet he doesn't have anybody to leave it to. This also is vanity. It's a sore travail. 
Two are better than one because at least they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falls, for there's no one to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they can have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevails against him, two will be able to withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better is a poor and wise child than an old and foolish king. Look to those little kids. Hey, they're better off than I am. Poor, wise child than this old, foolish king who will no more be admonished. I, I won't listen to anything anymore. I, no one can tell me anything. For out of prison he comes to reign, whereas also he that is born of his kingdom becomes poor. I consider all of the living which walk under the sun with the second child that shall stand up in his stead, and there is no end of all of the people, even of all that have been before them, and of all that shall come after. They shall not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and vexation of spirit. It seems that life just goes on. There's, you know, multitudes before me. There's going to be multitudes after me. I'm just in the, you know, in the line here, but it's all so empty. with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Ecclesiastes on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Ecclesiastes 2 through 4 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless and guide your life this week. When those decisions have to be made, may the Lord give you a very strong impression to lead you into his path of righteousness, and may you experience God's power working in your life in a very special way. May you be his witnesses, a testimony to others by the love of Christ that shines forth from you. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. God is looking for someone that He can use to accomplish His purposes on this earth. The apostles were more than willing to be used by the Lord. So what was it that gave them the certain spiritual characteristics necessary to be used by God? and to be a powerful, godly influence to change the world. 
Well, in a book entitled The Man God Uses, Pastor Chuck Smith brings the scriptures to life as he examines the book of Acts. He reveals the secret to the apostles' boldness, the five essential components of prayer, and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. So if you've ever wanted to accomplish more for the kingdom of God and to be an instrument that he can use, then I encourage you to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, The Man God Uses. To order a copy of this book in print or download a digital copy, please visit thewordfortoday.org or call the word for today at 800-272-9673.